Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Lord, open our hearts now to your speaking, to your word. Let your spirit be at work in and among us by that word today and then later through the sacrament as well. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, you know, we're in this uh, sermon series on unlocking the parables of Jesus and the the story that is at the heart of our uh, text this morning is is really kind of a rich man, poor man story. On the one hand, Jesus says there was this rich man who was clothed in purple. And you may think, why, why that detail? Well, purple was a sure sign that they were wealthy because purple dye was very rare and very difficult to make and very expensive. So he's clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously. Doesn't that sound good, especially an hour before dinner? Um, uh, the man is living an opulent lifestyle. And what's more, his wealth has apparently blinded him to the poverty and the conditions of those around him. Because Jesus goes on and says, at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, even the dogs came and and licked his sores. This man was in desperate shape. They took him and laid him apparently at the door of this rich man every day in the hopes that maybe he would receive some kind of a handout because he was starved and poor. Reminds me of our visit to India the first time I went and we got off the bus and there was always people there selling things each place we got off. At this one in particular, a man caught my attention because his legs were all crippled and all he could do was scoot around with his hands on his bottom. And I asked the pastor who was leading us on the tour, I said, what happened to him? And he said, well, most likely his parents crippled him at birth so that he would have the chance of making a living by begging. Well, in our story, both men die. Lazarus dies and goes to heaven at Abraham's side is how it's described, and the rich man is tormented in Hades or hell. And you read this and you wonder, what is our Lord's point? Is, is this uh, condemnation of the rich of this world who purposely ignore the needs of the poor right around them? Is it sort of an Ebenezer Scrooge story warning against the Greediness that holds on to our possessions for dear life and and has no generosity towards the needs of others. Is Jesus kind of saying that the rich are they get their reward in this life and they're going to end up all in hell and the poor are going to get their reward and get to go to heaven automatically? Easy to go there. In fact, uh, my mind did go there as I thought about this text and. One day this week on my way home from here, I passed a corner where there's a lady out begging every day, seeking for handouts from the people in the cars that drive by. And 
thought went to my mind, is that a Lazarus for me? Is God using this text to say that you know, I should help her in some way? And, and he may have, and there's certainly elements of that in this text. But I think that misses the real point that Jesus is making. Because as I was looking at that woman, I was really identifying myself as the rich guy in the story. And I don't think that's what Jesus wanted the rich guy to do or that he wanted me to do. See, the danger, and it's in particular a danger for us as Americans, is that our wealth and prosperity blind us to our true spiritual poverty. See, Jesus tells this parable to people who are suffering from that kind of blindness. And Luke identifies who this parable is pointed at. Just a couple verses earlier, he talks about these people who are trying to serve both God and mammon. He talks about the Pharisees who were lovers of money who looked at their wealth and their prosperity and saw it as proof positive that they were blessed by God, that God must really be happy with them, otherwise why would they have this wealth? And who even looked at the poor and said, well, they getting, must be getting what they deserve. God must not be happy with them. Folks, if you think people don't think that way, I'm going to tell you a story of a an anchor woman on TV. It's probably somebody you've watched because she's on one of the major networks and she talked about um, her conversion to Christianity. And, and in, her, in the interview, she talked about the fact that for a long time, she just thought, what do I need a Savior for? I've, I've, I make, I've got a good job. I'm making a good living. I'm, I've got good friends. Life is pretty good. What in the world do I need a Savior for? And folks, believe it or not, that becomes an obstacle to God's saving grace and to faith among people of prosperity, among Americans. It's one of the things that makes it hard to share the gospel in this country. Well, here you have this woman, right? This man. When I visited, I'll go back to India, and when I visited India that time, I asked that pastor, I said, so who is, who is the gospel, who is most open to the gospel here? And without hesitation, and I heard this numerous times, well, the poor are. The outcasts. The untouchable. They are very open to Jesus. And so here you have this rich man in hell. And pastor was a little bit more down on him today in the reading in the late in the service, and I like that because Jesus does not mean for us to see this guy in a complimentary way. In fact, if you read carefully what his conversation with Father Abraham or with God in, in hell, what you find out is that even in hell, the lost remain unrepentant. This guy still thinks that that he can order uh Lazarus around. Still acts as if God owes him something. He calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Send him. 
Notice the order giving there. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. And when God says no, then he goes on and he tries a different tack. When I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. He's given orders. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And again, his, his request is refused. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And still he argues, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Just like you heard Moses and the prophets and didn't listen. There's the point. My friends, now is the time to heed God's Word. Not later. Because later is too late. See, through His Word, God opens the eyes of our heart to two very important truths. And the first is this. Spiritually, each of us is Lazarus. I want you to hear the words that Jesus spoke to the church in Laodicea in Revelations chapter 3. Because he makes this point. You say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind. And naked. That's the natural condition of sinful man. Can't help but think of the note they found in Martin Luther's pocket after he died. He had written out these words We are all beggars before God. The time to heed the word of God. The time to repent is now, not later. See, God has an even greater word to speak to us here. Because His second truth, and this was new to me, His second truth is that Jesus is also our Lazarus in this story. I don't know if you know this, but this is the only time when Jesus gives a name to one of the characters in his parable. In fact, because he gives a name to the poor man, there are many who argue that this isn't a parable, that this is just a story. But I think it is a parable, and that Jesus gives the name this one time to call our attention to that name, to make it stand out. Because you see, the name Lazarus means God is my help. This has nothing to do with the Lazarus you know from John 11. This, he, this poor man has given this, this name to call our attention to the one whom God sent to help us to his own son, Jesus Christ, who became one of us, who took on our poverty. That's what Paul says in his letter to, second letter to Corinthians. He says, 
You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might be made rich. Jesus Himself said it, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or what about Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2 about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of Ben, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. You know, I can't help but think Just as Lazarus was laid outside the gate of the rich man, so they crucified Jesus outside of the city gate like so much garbage tossed aside. He endured that for you. Jesus became our Lazarus that you and I might become God's own sons and daughters. Jesus took up residence among us that He might give to us a place in the Father's house. In my Father's house are many rooms, He says. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. He promises you to do for you what He did for Lazarus. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Much better than an Uber, huh? That God provides our ride straight into His kingdom in angels' arms. God doesn't want you to miss that. That's why the message of this parable is so important. Like all parables, it's a call to repentance. Take heed of God's Word now, not later. To take heed of Moses and the prophets now, not later. To take heed of the message of the apostles now, not later. He wants you to hear and take to heart the message of this parable. To see your own spiritual poverty so that you can receive into your hands the riches of heaven purchased for you by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love the story of Martin Luther and his death. That night, his heart began to beat rapidly. But he received some medication and it calmed down. So Luther went to bed and slept. At around one o'clock in the morning, he woke up and began shouting, Oh, dear Lord God, my pain is so great. Oh, Dr. Jonas, I am certain that I will remain here in Eisleben where I was born and baptized. Everyone rushed to his room. Luther began repeating over and over again, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Dr. Jonas knew what was happening and asked Luther, do you want to die standing firm on Christ 
and the doctrine you have taught? Luther answered, yes. And at three o'clock that morning, Luther died. God's word on his lips. He went home to the place Jesus had prepared. That's what God wants for you. That's what he purchased for you. It's why he gave his son. Take heed, my friends, of his word. Now. Not later. Amen? Now may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.